welcome um, Ilko El Guru to our second uh, episode of the Unpackers, our second podcast episode. Um, and there's a lot to unpack uh, from the last couple of weeks because that has been uh, up and down, green and, and, and red a lot. Uh, sometimes I wish I was the guy in uh, Michael J. Fox in, in Back to the Future that I, you know, I had a book the, of the last year of uh, price action and I could have traded this price action so much better than I did. But hey, uh, let's at least, at least try to unpack what happened. Um, let's listen to a, a news clip from CNBC uh, that explains a little bit about what happened on the 5th and the 6th of June with all the uh, SEC adventures. Expanding on the SEC's continued crackdown on crypto exchanges, the agency sued Coinbase in New York federal court this morning, accusing the crypto exchange of operating as an unregistered securities exchange, broker, and clearing agency. Today, the SEC also charged Coinbase for allegedly failing to register the offer and sale of its staking as a service program. In the complaint, the SEC argued that at least 13 crypto assets available to Coinbase customers, including Solana and Polygon's Matic token, are considered crypto asset securities. Yeah, so um, Mr. Gary Gensler, the Honorable Gary Gensler, um, uh, yeah, went after Binance and Coinbase on the 5th and 6th of June. Guru, can you please unpack for us what, what happened there? Yeah, so basically there were two different lawsuits. Um, a lot of people are a little bit confused um, and seeing that both of the exchanges got hit with the exact same lawsuit, which is not the case. Um, both of the exchanges are accused of listing securities. And the problem is they are both not licensed uh, to list securities. So they are only licensed to list commodities. And there's been a lot of talk about what altcoins are exactly securities, what altcoins are exactly commodities. So both of the exchanges are now accused of listing securities, which is not legal because they are not licensed to. And Binance among listing securities is also accused of some other shady stuff um, in which yeah, both of the exchanges took a little bit of a hit because of that. And yeah, a lot of has been going on since and a lot has been said about it and a lot can be said about it. But yeah, it was definitely a, a crazy few days. Uh, I have to remember now another um, movie that I like, Margin Call. I don't know if you've seen it. I'm slightly older than you are. Um, I probably you have it. There are a lot of memes about it as well. But there's a nightly meeting, and one of the and one of the analysts basically comes up with an analysis, and all the big bosses are called in. And the big boss himself asked then at a certain point of time, uh, "Can the analyst who wrote this uh, please talk to me?" So the guy steps up uh, and says, "Okay." Okay, and uh, the, the top dog himself says, can you please talk to me as if I were a small child or a golden retriever? Um, that's the thing that I have right now. So um, what's the difference again between uh, a security and a commodity? So a commodity, I think the easiest way to explain is a commodity can be seen as, for example, a baseball card or a painting and a security are big companies like Apple. So one of the biggest differences is that with a commodity, you do not invest money into expecting something from people that will work on a certain company that will promise you yes, a certain, certain labor and exchange for that labor that the price of that, yeah, in, in this case, the baseball card or the painting will go up. And the thing with securities is, for example, Apple, they are raising big funds 
and they promise their investors to use those funds to, for example, hire developers, to hire other employers in which the company will grow. And in return for that, your investment will get a certain return. And that is something that only certain licensed brokers are, are able to list. Um, and Coinbase and also Binance don't, do not have that license to do so. Um, so yeah, the easiest way to look at it is compare a baseball card or, or a painting to, for example, Apple or, or different big company. Um, and in, in the crypto space, for example, Bitcoin can be seen as a commodity um, and not a security. Okay, that's a whole debate. So, so basically, um, uh, security is something that you, that you expect a gain of. Exactly. Uh, and again, this, 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 this obviously the jurisdiction is, is the United States only. So in the United States, there are um, uh, earmarking certain uh, digital assets like Solana, Polygon, I think uh, ADA was. Solana, yeah, exactly. Um, as a security, in other words, uh, um, uh, assets where people invest in to get better on. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, it will be uh, taxed differently. I think that's the whole uh, history behind it. Yeah. So that was basically uh, uh, in those uh, in those law cases. Yeah. Uh, but but then again, uh, Coinbase is not a new company. They're even listed, I think, in uh, the New York Stock Exchange. Yes. So what is happening there? I mean, what, why is it com- coming now? Is it is it all of a sudden? What's the history? Um, so. I've been watching one of the interviews of Brian Armstrong with the Wall Street Journal. Um, and basically, excuse me, what he is saying in those in those interviews is that the biggest problem is that there's a huge lack of clarity in the industry. Um, he's also stating that they have been meeting over the past two or three years over 30 times with the SEC, um, thinking they had a good relationship with the SEC, SEC asking several times what are the rules that we need to stick to? Please give us some clarity. And the SEC was failing to give them any clarity at all. He's also stating that they have been rejecting over 90% of the altcoins that wanted to get listed on their exchange because they didn't believe that those altcoins uh, weren't securities. So they um, only listed about 10%. And looking at that interview and, and watching that interview, it just seems like they were almost begging the SEC for for yeah for giving them any clarity, um, giving them a clear set of rules. And basically, there there aren't any yeah specific rules that they need to stick to because there is no base case, and that is the hard part in in yeah in the crypto industry right now. There is no base case, and there aren't a, a clear set of rules and. That is basically the biggest problem here, that there's no clarity at all. That's also the, the, the shitty thing about the, the cases that are running right now, in my opinion. Um, perhaps you know something more about that. Um, I read a lot of articles, mm-hmm. a lot of legal documentation, but it's all superficial. Yeah. Um, it, it's never in-depth, never uh, any clearance about what guidelines there are. Exactly. Um, did you encounter any documents that do go in depth no no not at all no no they're, they're just strange even, yeah it is very yeah it is very strange but on the other hand like the crypto industry is still quite new you know so like yeah. i said there is no base case to 
yeah, to go off on and, and stuff like that. So that makes it very, very hard. And I think that is also maybe in the short term, this doesn't look like a good thing for the crypto industry, but I think in the long in the long run, that is also something that Brian Armstrong, the CEO of Coinbase, was saying. This will be very good for the industry and it will hopefully, especially in the United States where there is a big lack of clarity, it will hopefully give some clarity and it will hopefully give yeah, certain base cases and certain guidelines that yeah, sure. yeah. new startups yeah, can stick to. He was yeah. also stating that every single new startup that is yeah, coming up in the crypto industry right now is spending a whole lot of money on, on the best lawyers and even the best lawyers in the world, they're all giving them the same answer. We don't know. And yeah. that is something that even the smartest minds in the world, if they are stating that, I think that that says it all. Let's, uh, let's, uh, um, uh, let's listen to actually to uh, Brian Armstrong for a moment in the Wall Street uh, Journal, okay. because I think he's, he's literally on a crusade. I think that's nice to just to yeah. give it a go. Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong is in a battle with regulators. The SEC sued his company, saying Coinbase broke the rules by listing tokens that the regulator alleges are subject to securities laws. He sat down with the journal to discuss the situation. I, rec I rec recommend every everybody just to, to uh, I mean, this is a podcast, but, just, but I don't know, when you, when you have the opportunity, just, just sit down on, and, and take a look at this, uh, uh, this interview, because he's literally like, like, a, like a boxer in the ring. He's sitting there in front of this, yes. this reporter like... Come on, come on, let's, let's, yeah. let, let's, let's go for it. And, and uh, I think it's even called, uh, he will fight for the, uh, for the entire crypto industry. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, what, what do you expect from this? I, I do not expect uh, a very specific winner. I expect, and that is also what he was stating, that even if they lose in some way, it will only be favorable for the industry because even if they lose, there will finally be a base case and there will finally come a clear set of rules and i expect also congress to step in which i think they are slowly doing already they are falling behind on the uae they are falling behind on hong kong even europe is, is coming out with clear sets of rules right now for the crypto industry and i think it is quite remarkable that america has not done that yet because they're always stating they are the biggest developers in the world and they are always a few years ahead of the rest of the world but with the crypto industry they are actually a few years behind on the rest of the world and i think that will sting um, in the long run but i think they will try to compensate that yeah yeah that the, the fact that they are beyond on the, on the rest of the world they will try to compensate that in the, in the upcoming years and i think that this these lawsuits actually all of the lawsuits that are going on right now will only yeah, help that and will hopefully give give us a clear set of rules. And that is what I do expect from these law, lawsuits. So I, I I actually believe it's a, it's a good thing for the crypto industry. Yeah, they have to leapfrog forward now to uh, uh, repair some some, uh, some some of the damage of exactly. not of not, uh, not giving clarity. Yeah. Um, good stuff. Um, well, you're not a lawyer, right? No, I am not, but my parents are. <laughs> your parents are, right? <laughs> Both are, actually. Uh, okay, so next time we also invite your parents. Definitely. I will I will send this podcast to both of them, and I will be very, very curious to see what they think about it. Okay. okay. I don't think they have any knowledge about uh, about any set of rules for the for the crypto industry. But who knows, maybe maybe they will become a crypto lawyer at some point. But then again, we would have to be much better prepared as well. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. In, in this case, I just wanted to, I mean... I, 
because let's go back to the, uh, the, the, the topic, which is, uh, well, we want to unpack obviously the, the technology, uh, uh, but we're here as well to become profitable trainers. Um, so, um, I think this happened even during the night, the, the Binance case, um, uh, I'm, you know, I'm waking up and, um, uh, I have to admit that, uh, most of the times I leave my telephone, uh, you know, downstairs, but <laughs> quite often more, more often. <laughs> I'm also just, you know, bringing it next to my bed just to, to take a look in the morning to the, it's, it's not a good habit. And, uh, you also set an alarm, right? In the middle of the night. Let's have a psychology part of the, uh, episodes some, some other day. But it was a whole lot of rent um, that morning. And yeah. um, obviously, the another rookie mistake that I made, it's that the setups where I was very confident, right, which were well thought through, had a good, you know, a good entry point and a good stop loss. <laughs> so, yeah. again, the then stop loss didn't work. The other ones where I thought, nah, let's just, you know, let it let it swim a little bit and let it go up and down. That's what the market does already for some time. Okay, <laughs> just fucked up my whole account. Uh, what are the lessons from these uh, news events? Uh, uh, let's say from the from the, from from the negative perspective. What are the lessons for for trading uh, that you know the fifth of June brothers? So I think, and I've, I'm always stating this that news events like these they don't necessarily change the price action. So they do not necessarily change the direction that the price would eventually go towards. Um, usually, well, I'm saying usually, actually every single time a news event like this happens, it only speeds up the price action and it doesn't necessarily change it. And that is something that I'm always stating to my, to my followers and to my students. Um, it is always in the charts. So for example, right now with the, the, the Binance stuff that was going on and the Coinbase stuff that was going on, Bitcoin was actually holding very well. Like Bitcoin was still trading above $25,000. Right now it's trading again above $30,000. Why? Because the chart was looking extremely good. There was nothing to worry about when I was looking at the chart. For the retail traders, and those are like the, the newbies in trading, and those are the, the people that are just starting and are trading out of emotion and are trading based on news events, for example. At that point, they were starting to short Bitcoin. They were starting to sell Bitcoin because they were panicking. They were thinking, okay, like we see every single few months during a bear market, crypto industry is over. It is it is gone. We're now officially finished, and that is what we hear every single time. And yeah, but the weird thing is, every time that you hear it, you also, it, it sounds very convincing. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm honestly, I mean, I mean, this. I'm a rookie for a year and a half, so something like that already. But every time you think. You know, it's really over because fundamentally so much is wrong, like we yeah. discussed with this, yeah. that you think, okay, now they're really closing it in, which yeah. if, you, if you zoom out, it's bullshit because there's so much money involved. Yeah. You know, they won't let them go broke. Yeah, exactly. And there's so much potential as well. Yeah. But even though you know what's happening, it fucks up. Just... Yeah, yeah. That is something that will, I think, come with experience just as much events as possible like this. And at some point you will get a little bit immune for them. Um, at least I am immune for them right now. You're a uh, veteran. No, nah, I wouldn't say I'm a veteran, but at some point, like I've seen so many things like this and something that I'm trying to stick to is for example, the FTX case that we have had a few months yeah. ago, um, the Luna crash that we have had about a year ago now, maybe a little bit longer as well. I think 
beating those two events will be extremely hard. Like so many people losing huge sums of money, so many people losing huge sums of money out of nowhere, very abrupt and very swiftly. And the panic that was in the markets at that point, and so many people saying that Bitcoin would be done. And the lowest that Bitcoin has gone was $15,800, I believe. I think that says it all. There, there has to be such a huge event for Bitcoin to go lower or for, for the crypto industry to be over. And I think all that these events are doing is just eliminating the, the bad people from the space, is eliminating the bad projects from the space and, and stuff like that. So they're just yeah wiping out all of the diseases so that the industry can can grow you know and can can flourish in the in the future and if you try to stick to that and something that makes it very easy to stick to that is to just look at the charts and yeah, like what you see let's go back to that for a second because um i recommend everyone to uh well first of all become a member of your group uh because the business case is easy there uh, you say so much things that prevent you from losing money so the, the money that it costs you to be uh, in your group, mm -hmm. you gain it obviously with trades, but also you save it from uh, losing money. Um, but even if you're not a paid member, go to your free member and you look at the, the streams that you, uh, that you have there. So basically you map out uh, a zone or, or a, a region or how do you call it, uh, a range from yeah. last year to, to now. Exactly. And I think um, you already said it for weeks that it, that it will at some point go to the mid race mm -hmm. and then go for the like, uh, liquidity draw at somewhere around 32, I think. Yeah. Um, so that's what you mean by the, that the answers are already in the chart. Yeah, exactly. I think it's it's not a coincidence that when we were trading right above the support, and I don't want to to go too much into the technicalities of the charts, but I don't think it's a coincidence that right above the support that this news was coming out and that we got that last dip actually into the support. Because when people sell at support, that is exactly what the bigger players with the huge amounts of money need. Because in order to fill their buy orders, those buy orders are so big and it contains so much money that they also need huge amounts of money selling to them. Otherwise, they cannot buy, right? Their their orders won't get filled. And that is something that you see it so many times that near support, there there will be very, very bad news coming out. And near resistance, there will be extremely bullish news coming out. And that is classic market manipulation. And that is something that happens a lot in the crypto industry. But it is not something that happens only in the crypto industry. It is also something that happens in the stock market. It is something... That happens in the forex market when when people get euphoric, that is when the big players sell. But the SEC is not choosing a moment to see to sue Binance and Coinbase based on the chart. No, they are not. But I think, and I do not want to. Yeah, let's go into the rabbit hole here. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. I do not want to get into a rabbit hole, but. At some point, I do not believe it's a coincidence anymore that the FTX crash happened where there was a huge resistance for Bitcoin, that the lunar crash happened at yeah when, when the price action was looking absolutely terrible and we got one last push towards the upside. People thought that the bull run was starting again and then the lunar crash was, was occurring. Those are 
kind of events that if you if you see it a few times, you do not think it's coincidence anymore. And I'm not saying that Gary Kess or any anyone like that is an inside trader or that they are are passing on information to the bigger players in the market. But I think to me it, it's hard to believe that there's not anything like that going on, or at least that the market makers and like I said, the wills are not anticipating moves like this. And that there yeah. is some kind of confluence in that area. And I see what you mean. And I mean, it's, it smells somehow. Yeah. And exactly. And, and it doesn't matter. It really matter. You will never fully understand it either. I don't think it doesn't matter all too much. Also, it is just a, just as effective as a trader. And like like you say, it's nice to have a veteran. I I will, I will baptize you a veteran as from now on. <laughs> um, next to you who you know spells it out for you what's what's happening because we we cannot influence that um i don't have well, even if i have, have an opinion about it it doesn't really matter i just i, I just want to turn you know uh, turn my uh, red into green exactly um okay um so with your your spot portfolio for example uh coins like near went in dipped even below the January low, for example. What do you do with your spot portfolio at this moment? So with spot, and those are like the, the investments that, that you hold, it's very easy to me. Like I'm buying those those coins, except, yeah, even at these prices, they are still so cheap compared to the price that they were about two years ago. And spot is just very simple because you are buying a coin with a long-term thought, with a long-term target, and you are believing in the fundamentals of the project, right? So not always looking at the chart, but just purely looking at the fundamentals of the project and the, the community behind it and the team behind it. And also obviously look at the higher time frame chart, but as long as you have a certain target for your investment. So let's take, for example, Bitcoin. I strongly believe that Bitcoin at some point will trade above $100,000 during the next bull run. Like I'm not 100% convinced, but I'm, 99% convinced that during the next three to four years that Bitcoin will reach $100,000. So if I buy Bitcoin at $10,000, $20,000, even at $70,000, in my eyes, I'm still buying Bitcoin at a discount because I won't sell my long-term investments until it reaches my long-term target. So, and this is where risk management comes into play a little bit, obviously, at the peak, you want to shave a little bit of profits and you always want to make sure that you have a little bit of liquid assets that you can invest into the market for certain dips like this. So you never ever want to be 100% invested into the market. And if you do, in my opinion, you want to make sure that some of your positions are risk-free. And what do I mean by risk-free? I mean that for some positions, even your long-term positions, you make sure that you have a stop loss, for example, at your entry price, in which if that stop loss gets hit, you just do not lose or gain any money. But you always want to have a little bit of UCT ready to invest for certain times like this where you get a little bit of a dip or or maybe um, even in, in, in a bull market when everything is going up, sometimes a certain project gets a little bit of bad news and still dips around 20 to 30%. But if you still believe in that project and that they will fix the problem and that they will reach a long-term target, those are only buy opportunities. So... Yeah, like I said, if you have a certain target for your for your projects and for your investments, these are actually golden opportunities to buy more of them because 
at the end of the day, yes, we are seeing a dip, but nothing is changing about the fundamentals of the project. Even if the SEC is suing them now for being a potential security, that doesn't mean that they cannot continue their operations in different countries. Yeah, of course, money is flowing all around the globe. Exactly. exactly. What I was also stating when the SEC was starting this, it is not a coincidence that as soon as they started suing Binance and that they were starting to sue Coinbase, that both Hong Kong and the UAE, which are now probably the two biggest crypto hubs in the world, were openly stating that the Coinbase and Binance could both move to Hong Kong or to the UAE and that they would be welcomed with open arms. And that is something that you always see once America bans something, the other big financial hubs in the world will dive all over it. So even if Solana or Medic or Cardano now gets fully banned in America, let's say, which personally, like I said, I don't see that happening in the, in the near future. Hong Kong and UAE, as long as the fundamentals of the project are right, will dive all over it and probably some more money will flow into it because they want to say to America, fuck you, you know? Yeah, those games are happening. Exactly. I, I also smell a, 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 a podcast about the spot holdings because I made all the classic mistake um, that you just mentioned. <laughs> I, uh, especially also around getting up... Uh, after the uh, fish crash, I thought, okay, now it's over. It's going to dip lower. Yeah. I, sold, I sold just basically 75% of yeah. my holdings and then it went up enough. And then you just, you just fall in and then, yeah. oh man, I just lost so much money there. So yeah. it's a good strategy. So again, I can sleep calm, calmly at night. This is uh, very much welcome. <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm learning there from you. It's just, you know, it's just, um, I feel almost ashamed to, to confess this, but I think I'll do that also on purpose because yeah. I know that there are many out there who are suffering from the same. No, um, I rather uh, have them learn from us, but even more from you. Um, let's let's go over to uh, June the fifteenth, and I think we have an. If you also have an, um, a nice audio clip from it. The price of Bitcoin has surged today as financial institutions from BlackRock to Wisdom Tree continue to give their Bitcoin blessings. By noon Eastern today, Bitcoin traded close to thirty thousand dollars. Ether traded above the eighteen hundred dollar level, and Solana rose by nearly six percent. Sentiment has been high in crypto since late last week when BlackRock filed an application for what would be the first ever spot Bitcoin ETF in the U.S. Yeah, so let's unpack this as well. Uh, we had a lot of a lot of red and then on, on the June 20, 20 until 23, actually, there was a lot of good news about uh, the crypto uh, space. Uh, Fidelity, Citadel, BlackRock, Schwab, or launched or filed for um, uh, Bitcoin ETFs. Uh, future and spot ETF. Again, unpack kindly those days for me, for us, what happened there. So basically the, the biggest asset managers in the world were filing for an ETF and that is quite huge news. Um, both because if those ETFs get approved, huge sums of money will flow into Bitcoin and obviously that will make the price go up. But also because it was right after the, the bad news that we got from the SEC suing both Binance and Coinbase and marking all of those altcoins as securities and just attacking the crypto industry. And I think the fact that the, the biggest asset managers in the world are filing for these ETFs about a week after we got all of the bad news, I think that that, that says enough and that says... It is telling us that there is so much potential in this space. Otherwise, the biggest 
asset managers of the world would not file for that ETF. And in the past, we have seen numerous ETFs getting rejected. And I do not believe that they would file for these ETFs if they think they would get rejected again. So these, these asset managers, they are so big and they have so much inside information and, and so much yeah, connections with the SEC and other regulatory uh, yeah, people in, in America that I do not believe that they would file for this ETF thinking they would get rejected. I strongly believe that these ETFs probably will get accepted and it might take a few months, might take a year. But I think this this yeah is a big uh, big boost for the industry, especially in the midterm. Yeah, just okay. That's something else that you mentioned right now, the midterm. Um, but just just to, to come up with a couple of golden retriever questions again, and and, and uh, spot ETF is uh, because again, um, uh, Bitcoin is a commodity, so it's it's illegal to trade uh, uh, in the United States. Um, and a, uh, ETF is an exchange traded fund. So it's, it's, it's like a package that people can buy on a regular stock exchange, yeah. but they invest indirectly into Bitcoin. Yeah, exactly. So it opens up new heaps of money from, let's say the regular investors who are too scared to, to invest in, in crypto because it's more safe, uh, through those, uh, uh, side products. Exactly. Because they, for example, they don't trust exchanges like Coinbase with their money. They don't trust exchanges like Binance with their money. So by starting this ETF, they are offering those, I would say, old fashioned people, the opportunity to invest money into Bitcoin in a traditional way. And I think that will cause those old fashioned people to finally have some trust in, in Bitcoin. And yeah, also a lot of institutions will, will yeah get the opportunity to invest a lot of money in a very safe way through that ETF into Bitcoin. And it will open up, like you said, the doors for a lot of new investors to start investing their money into Bitcoin. So yeah, a lot of money will flow into Bitcoin as well. So the will game here is that um, uh, they manip manip manipulate the market by bringing first the bad news. And it's not like they have a WhatsApp group. They say, okay, now you know, now the you know, push the push the button and and everything goes red and then the green. It's not like that, but it's. <laughs> Or like avalanche of, of, of events that that, mm -hmm. that um, so they manipulate the market in the short term. So this dip they already take you know see sixteen percent or something like that. And if you zoom out, we've been accumulating over a year already. Um, now they come up with these huge events. They promise crypto summer. So basically, on the, in the background, they just you know. Uh, um, shovel in so much money basically it's unbelievable yeah it is unbelievable and that is also why usually after those huge moves to the downside that we see during the bear markets it takes a lot of time for the market to start moving up because they are shoving in like you said so much money and like i was stating earlier in the podcast it takes a lot of people selling to them in order to fill their own buy orders and that is why a lot of people are asking me sometimes like and you are saying that the, the big players are buying right now, but why are we still trading around $25,000? Because they are not buying as much Bitcoin as they can in just a few hours. You know, it takes days, weeks, months, because they need a lot of people selling to them if they yeah, would be, yeah, in case they are able to, to buy Bitcoin themselves. And 
That is why it usually takes so long, and that is why they are causing these... They are waiting for these bad news events to occur, because that will offer them the opportunity to buy more Bitcoin. Yeah. You really have to um, uh, be the boss of your emotions as a retail trader. Um, again, the answer here is in the chart, as you say. Yeah. Um, again, please elaborate on this, how do we have to play this as a retail trader? As a retail trader, you have to try to get into the mind of the of the bigger players and the wheels and the people that that are manipulating this market and are dictating this market. And that will take time because you, first of all, have to be one or two steps ahead of your fellow retail traders. But besides, you also have to get into the mind of the bigger players in, in, yeah, in this market. And if you can can make that step from being two steps ahead of the retail traders and also trying to really get into the mind of the bigger players and figure out where they will fill their orders. If they are short or sell orders or buy or long orders, it doesn't really matter because you can make money regardless of them if the market goes up or down. But that's the biggest step that retail traders need to take. And also for me, it took a lot of time to, yeah, to become one or two steps ahead of the retail traders. But just focusing on the charts and trying to shut down your emotions and trying to maybe not even look at news events or Twitter too much and just only look at the chart and, and trade what you see on the chart on both the higher and lower time frame. That will help you a lot if you block out all of that noise. It will definitely improve your trading game by a lot. Yeah, in fact, news events are a blessing, whether it's it's bad or a good to speed up that price action rather than just, you know, uh, they stay flat for four weeks, which are completely boring. And then you go, then you, you at least I'm going to overtrade. And, exactly. and, 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 uh, um, okay. Uh, um, uh, concluding, we're now around 30. Uh, what is, what is, um, uh, what is the, um, the game plan for, from the whales? Now uh, a couple of weeks and then some distribution at around 32 and then they dump it and they go on holiday. I think we will definitely visit like I've been staying for the past few weeks and months. We will visit $32,500 and we can go up all the way towards maybe 35, 36. And in between that range between 30, 32 and 35, 36, I think that the, the bigger place will start distributing. Like I said, and that means it will start selling. Why? Because the, the charts are showing that they're could be a potential breakout out of the range there. So what will retail do when they see a potential breakout? They will start buying heavily. They will start longing heavily. And I think that the market makers and the wheels, they will they will use that, that buy pressure that comes from the retail traders to sell their own positions. Um, there's still a CME gap, and that is something we will have to go a little bit on F about. There's still a, C, a gap in the charts, I would say, around $20,000. And I think... It would be beautiful to distribute in between 32 and 36, then drop it around mid or late summer towards $20,000, make people think once again that the crypto industry is, is done, accumulate some more positions there, and then early next year start a, a full new bull run towards new all-time highs. And I think that would be the perfect way to manipulate the end of this bear market and to wipe out the last weekends in this market and to frustrate even more people and that i think that would be beautiful and i 
I can honestly see something like that happen in the in the upcoming weeks and months. I actually look forward to a dump like that. Yeah, it's really beautiful. It's, it's really weird. The team starts. But there, there will probably be another news event that will cause a dump, but people will blame it on the SEC. Yeah. And people will blame it on Binance. People will blame it on Coinbase. People will blame it on so many people. But if it happens, I think it, it, it would already be shown on the charts. And if I don't see any signs of distribution, if I don't see any signs of weakness, and I only see strength above, $32,000, then be my guess and send it to $40,000 or maybe. But I think at some point we will see one final harsh crash in the market of about 30 to 40% where people fully panic. And that will be the last buy opportunity before we go into that uh, into that new bull run. Good stuff. Um, right, the veteran, veteran guru as from now on. <laughs> uh, love to have you uh, uh, next to us trading because the, the, you dis disclose stuff to us that, that seems so very obvious when you say it, but when you're in, in when you're in it and uh, you know gambling with your few uh, few bucks, uh, then you just don't see those facts. So um, uh, yeah, let, let's go for the summer. Let's go for the scenario. Thank you very much for unpacking this stuff with us right now, and uh, up to the next one. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me.